How does the United States government prepare for a cyber threat such as OpUSA, in which groups with political agendas seek to disrupt the websites of U.S. federal government and American financial institutions? Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. To address that question, I'm pleased to be joined by Mark Weatherford, who recently stepped down as Deputy Undersecretary for Cybersecurity at the Department of Homeland Security and is now Principal at the Chertoff Group, a firm that provides strategic advice on security and risk management. Thanks, Mark, for joining me once again. Hi, Eric, and thanks for having me. How seriously does the U.S. government take threats such as those coming from anonymous and other so-called hacktivist groups? The government takes us very seriously. If you look at the, the resources that both the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Defense, and the FBI, as well as the rest of the federal agencies, are putting in the cybersecurity arena, it's pretty significant. And, uh, and I think that it's just indicative of how serious that the government does, in fact, take these. So the government sees, say, DDoS attacks, which uh, those against banks, tend, they tend to recover from fairly quickly, as more than a nuisance? I think they are more than a nuisance, and I think, you know, we can't take these things lightly because success breeds confidence, and then, you know, the next time they they get better and better and better. They also, you know, they can be a distraction from perhaps other things that are happening. We do, in fact, have to take them pretty seriously. So who's responsible for defending an agency's website? Would it be the agencies themselves, DHS, NSA, DOD, a combination of everything? Ultimately, it's a combination of everything, but every agency is responsible for their own infrastructure and their own presence on the web. That said, everybody working together helps with that. Certainly, the Department of Homeland Security has responsibilities for the broader federal interagency and working closely with, you know, as I mentioned before, the FBI and DOD. Anytime we get uh, we get word or indication or there's some chatter about different of these kinds of events. You know, the different organizations get together and kind of figure out what, how serious it is and, and then, you know, what kind of resources and how that we go back and respond to that. There have been specific sites such as the White House or Defense Department. Others have been identified as targets for an attack that is scheduled for May 7th called OpUSA. Would just stopping traffic or slowing down for a while, would that be considered a failure to defend or is it more complex than that? Is it just basically you expect maybe certain kinds of damage, but you can recover quickly? What's the thinking behind that? Well, it's certainly more than a failure to defend. It's quite simply the nature of the Internet without getting, you know, too technical and too detailed. You're just putting too much information into a pipe that, and you overwhelm the pipe. It slows down increased latency within the, uh, the, the ability of the websites and the, the Internet to be able to respond. You can continue to build capacity in, but capacity costs money, and you, know, you build to a certain amount of resilience. Both the formal and the informal intelligence community is monitoring the landscape, and here's of these kinds of things. You can go back, and, and, and this is what they do, what DHS and the rest of and the FBI and DOD do is they'll go back to organizations that are suspected of being the next targets and work with them, at least advise them that, you know, that they need to be upping their game just a little bit uh, to be prepared for that. When these attacks do occur, there are people, obviously, they're monitoring it. They can see that all of a sudden traffic's slowing down and they're doing their best to, whether we route traffic or, or, or do other things to help uh, ease the problem. 
but it's sort of, I guess, with a battle, you could win the battle, but you're, you're going to take some initial casualties. Is, is that sort of the thinking behind it? Or? Yeah, it is. There's only so much you can do. If somebody really, in fact, wanted to overwhelm you and focus the, uh, you know, all of their resources, there's probably not a lot you can do about that. You're going to feel some effects. And most people are doing this now, working with some of the vendor community that does traffic management. And you can buy extra capacity, surge capacity, and you know, be prepared to deal with that. And we saw in the banking and finance industry when these DDoS attacks began last summer, they spent a lot of money on buying hardware uh, to be able to deal with the traffic as well as bandwidth. Obviously, as these attacks come off as as threatened, even if there's some disruption, there's going to be the ability for the government to learn a lot. Is that correct? And and what's being done in that part? What does the government do in the sense of trying to assess the situation afterward and provide better defenses? Yes. Both the good guys and the bad guys learn from these. The bad guys learn where the vulnerabilities are and how to exploit things that they may not have seen before. But the good guys they also see where the attacks are coming from, from the compromised sites. They see what kind of te- techniques and tactics that the attackers are using. So, yeah, the good guys kind of learn a lot from these as well. The architecture to learn from that, the cooperation that's already intact within the government? Absolutely. If something good can have come out of this is that over the past 9 to 12 months, the coordination and collaboration across the federal interagency has been just absolutely profound. The ability of the FBI and DOD and DHS to work together on these things, along with the the information sharing and analysis centers and the computer emergency response teams, you know, in the different countries around the world, it's been pretty remarkable about how they've been able to come together and learn from these things. Obviously, in Congress, big debate about information sharing, cyber threats, and and legal protections that need to be there. I don't want to get into that at, at, at the moment. How would you characterize cyber threat information sharing? say, with the financial sector today and the government from, say, a year or two ago? I mean, even without laws, are we seeing more of that happening? Yeah, we are. The The big success there has been with the Financial Services ISAC. They actually have someone sitting on the, the National Cybersecurity and Communications Integration Center watch floor at DHS. There's a, a very robust exchange of information, both from the ISAC to DHS and from DHS back into the ISAC, and they distribute that to all of their financial services members. It's been a pretty good learning experience and, and actually pretty open information sharing. The banking and the, the ISPs have really come together recognizing that that everybody's in this together. And even though there's competition among the different companies, they're sharing information that is helping everybody. Is most of the sharing information between the government and the financial services industry through FSISAC, or, or are there also individual banks, institutions that are having direct contact with the government? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, direct contact. The pay spin posting from this Ops USA event, I can almost guarantee you that the government, probably DHS, has gone out and contacted each one of these financial institutions just to make sure that they are aware of this event. Thanks, Mark. Okay, Eric. Thank you very much. I've been speaking with Mark Weatherford, former Deputy Undersecretary for Cybersecurity at DHS, now with the Chertoff Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.